Loki, and you are listening to Anchored, my chance to speak with some of the most influential people involved in the outdoors today. Join me as I travel to sit face-to-face with my guests in their own homes to learn more about their careers, opinions, history, relationships, and life both indoors and out. This episode of Anchored is brought to you by Cell Helmet. As seen on Shark Tank, Cell Helmet makes premium wireless accessories that help keep your devices safe and charged while spending time outdoors. From screen protection, cables, power banks, car and wall chargers, wireless chargers, and car mounts to hold your phone, Cell Helmet has something for everyone. All of their products come with a lifetime warranty. Yes, you heard that right. As well as free same-day shipping. One of my favorite products they sell is their liquid glass. It's an invisible screen protector that you simply pour onto your screen and rub in. Glass is a porous material, and the liquid glass fills in the pores, making your phone's screen stronger on a molecular level. It comes with a $100 screen repair guarantee, and the Liquid Glass Pro comes with a $300 guarantee. Head on over to their website at sellhelmet.com and check out their YouTube videos demonstrating the strength of this incredible product. Cell Helmet is offering a 40% off discount code to Anchored listeners. Just go to sellhelmet.com and enter Anchored at checkout. Orvis has been a leader in the fly fishing industry for what seems like eternity. Recently, they launched their 50-50 on the water campaign, an initiative with the goal of seeing more women on the water. From women-specific gear development to education and adventure experiences, nonprofit partnerships to women-centric storytelling, the campaign has been a hot topic lately. I met with Christine Atkins and Jackie Kutzer, the gals behind it, to ask the uncomfortable questions. Okay, so look, let's just dive right into... Um, no, no, we can't do that. I need to know a little bit about both of you first before I can really understand um, what you guys are doing. Sure. Yeah. Let's start with you, Chris, if you don't mind. Yeah, so I'm originally from Virginia, and I was raised in Alexandria right outside of D.C., and uh, admittedly, fly fishing for me came later in college. I grew up spin fishing with my dad, so I always had that, but didn't get introduced to it. And of course, a guy <laughs> came into the picture, um, and I said to him one day, you know, I'd, I'd really like to learn that. So we fought for a couple of years on the water because... <laughs> As you I, do. <laughs> right? I have learned um, sometimes you can be too close and not receptive to... It's mostly me not being receptive <laughs> to his feedback. But he moved to Vermont after we met in college, and he moved up to Vermont to work for Orvis, actually... Um, at the fly fishing school as an instructor, which is so funny that he was an instructor, but then I wouldn't listen to him. But yeah, he, he was like, do you want to move to Vermont? And I said, hell no. <laughs> Why would I want to live there? There's nothing going on in Vermont. Everything shuts down at six o'clock. You know, I'm used to my target and, you know, being able to, you know, eat different, you know, variety of foods, not just hamburgers and pizza. Cause you know, diversity in Vermont in terms of food, you know, it's, it's pretty narrow, but finally I broke down and, and moved up there and, um, you know, was fortunate enough to meet people like Jackie and kind of pull her her in, which has been pretty awesome. So we've kind of got this like growing network of ladies. So I've been with Orvis now, it will be eight years in September, which I think if I remember correctly, I actually started communicating with you, April, about seven-ish years ago. Yes, that's right. Yeah. But what was your role back then? It was not women specific, was, was it? No. And honestly, it isn't now. I'm actually, I'm the men's web merchant for Orvis. But then um, Steve Hemkins approached Jackie and I three years ago now, because mm-hmm. obviously we're very passionate about um, getting more women into the sport. And he was like, okay, I'm, I'm finally there. Like, we need to just make this happen and stop talking about it. How would you feel about helping me lead this, you know, whatever we want to call it, initiative, but the idea of let's get women to 50%. 
how could we make that happen? What's what's preventing it from getting there faster? Um, are there things we could be doing? Let's let's dive in. So it's kind of cool to be you know invited in. Yes, it's um, it's definitely a lot of work on the side. We're, work we're passionate about, so yeah. it makes it okay. Yeah, but um, anyway, it's been kind of cool. But as a result, um, you know, getting to meet um, virtually um, folks like April, and um, I got to work on the blog seven years ago. Yes, which is that's what I remember connected. you, yeah. Yeah, so I had an opportunity to um, help them kind of generate content. We had a separate women's fly fishing space on our blog, and then we got a, a lot of pushback on having it separate, and we ended up incorporating it. And we, it switched hands a few times, and I actually... Um, got removed from it. Yeah, and yeah. I remember when you guys had that. Why did you get pushed back for that? Um, I didn't feel like it was invasive. I actually found that part of, of Orvis refreshing. Really? Yeah. I loved it. Um, it was really cool for me to actually get to, you know, to, to reach out to folks that, you know, I hadn't met. And I think when we made some changes with the blog, it just became, well, do we really want to maintain this separate thing? And like a lot of things, I would say at Orvis, where we've we've put our toe in the water when it comes to the women's space constantly and just never had all the pieces together. Mm-hmm. And so we're like, oh, well, that failed. Or, you know, it feels like people aren't, they're not feeling it. Um, you know, let's, we don't want to put energy into that anymore. Okay. The same thing with our women's gear. Like uh, we were constantly trying new things and then we would abandon it because we're like, oh, well, our sell through isn't what we want it to be. So we're just going to Instead of thinking about, okay, well, what could we be doing to make this more successful? How could we just get the whole picture? Which is, I think, what's cool about 50-50 is we were finally like, okay, we need to tackle this from all sides. It's not something where you can just put a women's waiter out and expect that, you know, it's just going to happen and they're going to come out of the woodwork and they're going to buy it. Like, let's get to the root of the problem. Yeah. Well, I'm going to stop you there because I really want to dive into the root of the problem. Yeah. But first, I need to know how you got into all of this, Jackie. Sure. It's funny, I'm kind of like a hardcore Northeast girl. I grew up outside of Boston. I went to college in Rhode Island, graduated as a graphic designer, and found Orvis in 2006. So I've actually been with the company for, I think it was 12 years in May. Okay, so wait, so were you guys friends first, or were you both with Orvis first? We were both with Orvis first before we met each other. So I designed um, the women's clothing catalogs pretty much my entire 12 years at Orvis, and it wasn't until the last year where I switched over, and now I'm designing the hunting and fishing catalogs with another senior designer and a team, which has been really great and exciting. Streamlined my life a little bit, but actually it wasn't until what, 2011 where I met Peter Kutzer. So I fell in love with the fly fishing instructor, (laughs) kind of got me on the fast track into the sport, not going to lie. But through that, I met amazing people like Chrissy and her husband, Tyler, and a slew of other people who had worked for Orvis inside of Orvis who I knew, but they really became our fly fishing friends too, as well as our coworkers. So it's been an awesome journey. Um, and Chrissy at the time too was president of our local Trout Unlimited chapter. Oh, cool. And so she kind of looped me into that too. Uh-huh. And so we were both, uh, we've both been pretty active um, in Trout Unlimited since then. So I kind of, I really dove in head first and I, I, I fell in love with it. I actually did a two-day women's only school that Orvis was offering with Molly Simonac uh, oh, years amazing. ago. She came to Fantastic. me on Chester and just to feel the camaraderie among like eight to 10 women in a two-day school was so awesome. It's different, isn't it? Yeah. It is different. I mean, when I teach co-ed classes, which are often male-only classes, not on purpose, Mm -hmm. or I teach a women's-only class, I do 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 that and I do it for a reason. It's because it's an entirely different feel. Right. And and not in the way that I think a lot of people might think. I mean, my my women's-only classes are 
dirty. Well, a bunch of women together can they be get a comfortable whole, quick. They get comfortable very, very, very quick. You know, you literally cannot talk about fishing gear without somebody having something dirty to say about like every single part of a rod. You're like, oh yeah, clever. Um, so, you know, I love those classes. They're definitely different, but yeah, they're not there because, well, actually I guess some of them are there because they're intimidated by guys, but most of them are there just because they just love the camaraderie of other women because the vibe is different. That's definitely what we've learned. You know, we've talked to a lot of people over the years, even before, um, you know, 5050 started and uh, a couple of years ago at OGR. And it is, it's different. You know, there are all sorts of women who, some are hardcore, you know, and some like like the eight hours, I'm not taking a rest, I don't need lunch, I'm just going to keep fishing. And there are others who, fish are rising, but I'm going to go take pictures of this cool looking moss over here, mm-hmm. because it's amazing and I'm happy to be out, and I'm happy to be reconnected with nature. So I mean, just like men, there's all avenues of you know, People. different, yeah, different <laughs> personal fly fishing journeys, but it is cool to see how there is, I think, a difference in women where, when they get together, it is, there's a huge social component that comes with getting a group of women fly fishing together, even over a co-ed group. I do have to mention, you know, when it's a a single woman in a guy's class, it's different as well. And more just that I find the guys are a little bit polite. Like they start off polite with me, they quickly see they don't need to be. And then if I have an older woman, I find that they're just extremely respectful around her, which is nice. But yeah, that is great. It's something that I do have this conversation with, with as far as like men's only, women's only for the last decade. I've had men reaching out to me saying, you know, this club is old school. Um, we, it's men's only. There's no woman allowed. And, you know, we want you to speak for us. Well, no problem. I'd, I'd love to speak for your club. And then they want to sit down with me after I've spoken. And they, they want me to talk to the older guys and convince them to let women in. And, and I'm going to get some hate mail on this, but I've got to be totally honest with you guys. I, I cannot sit there and say to a group of guys, you must let women in because it... Like it does change the vibe. Why can women have women's only clubs and guys can't have their like one or two, you know, nationwide guys only clubs? I, I don't think that all men's clubs should shut down. And, and I don't know, like, sure. what's your take on that? Well, that's not something that we're aiming to do. You know, we're, we're, this isn't a gender war. This isn't an anti men campaign, you know. And when we started developing this, we had no idea of the headlines we were looking at in 2018. Yeah. And I think. It's, it's a charged world out there, and I think a lot of people are sensitive even coming into hearing about this campaign, but this has been years in the making, so we can't forget that. Mm-hmm. But I think, like you said, if you have, uh, let's just say, a fly fishing one-on-one class, it's a you know, short class, and it's open to everybody, you might get one woman you know, in there, and maybe she feels uncomfortable. There is a barrier there for her as far as just being a lack of confidence, a little intimidated. So what we're trying to do is create programs that are women's only so that they can go in, let's say to our one of our retail stores, sign up for a fly fishing one-on-one and have a choice. Maybe she's cool with taking the co-ed class and she's comfortable with guys, but, it, but maybe she isn't. So she'd feel more comfortable starting out in a women's only one-on-one. And maybe that will give her the confidence to go and take a 201 as a co-ed class. Yeah, the only thing I want to add to that is um, women ask really great questions. Anytime we teach a, a women's class, because they feel so 
comfortable with each other and, and just confident in that space and the ability to kind of dig in. They want to know everything. They really want to, you know, like we had a class Tuesday before we flew here. And it always feels like a sprint with the ladies because they're, they're just, it's like rapid fire questions. But why this? Why that? Oh, this is so cool. I'm really interested in learning more. Um, and when you initially said dirty, I was thinking you thought like more like they want to turn rocks over. They want to see the bugs. They want to learn more. Like oh, they're yeah. so into well, there's it. there's that too. Yeah. Yeah. They're so into it. Um, and I, again, this is just from my perspective. When we teach co-ed, sometimes I feel like those, those women are, are less apt to, to ask questions and to, because, you know, they just feel like in the environment, like with the, the guys are usually like, oh yeah, I've got this, you know, whatever. I'm yeah, okay, sure. I should pretend like I've got this too. And I don't have any questions. So I don't know. It just kind of creates a space where they have that option. But um, most women, they're like, yeah, I want to do that in the beginning. And then I'm going to get to the point where I'm comfortable and I'm confident. I can walk into any space and I can you know, just continue my journey and it doesn't need to be this thing. Um, and that's the other piece, 50, 50, our, our end goal is to stop talking about this, to get to the point where it's, it's not a thing and we can forget about it and we all just fish together. And, but the reality is, is we're, we're not there yet. It's not at 50%. Well, Um, before we start talking, you know, hypothetically, you're talking about the past because you just, you said something really interesting earlier, Jackie, that this has been a long time in the making. uh, And that is a sensitive subject because the reality is that it has been a long time in the making with things like men only clubs trying to, you know, push to get women in. It's been a long time making in so many areas of the industry. And then you guys were kind of really the ones who obviously put your your foot down on it. So there's a lot to talk about there. But before we do that, let's just kind of back it up and give the listener an idea on what this initiative is. Sure. So to boil it down, basically, Recreational Boating Fishing Foundation, they put out an annual report every year. And they published one last July. Um, and they do it every year. And we, we keep track of that. And we have been for the last six years or so. And it right now estimates that female fly anglers are about a little under 31% of total fly anglers. I would argue I certainly don't feel that way when I'm on the water, that it's anywhere close to 31%. You think Um, it's... I think it's much lower than that, personally. Definitely, I feel like on the East Coast. There might be pockets out West where it feels a little bit more like that. Obviously, when we go out and we fish in Montana, it's a completely different vibe. So it isn't there yet. It has been growing slowly um, over the years. I think we can all agree that we were seeing more and more women on the water. It certainly happened the last... 10 years or so. Oh, like it's night yeah, and day. Yeah, night and day, um, which is fantastic. Um, so it is naturally on, on its own gaining momentum, but um, we just wanted to kind of give it a little boost and see if we could get it there a little bit faster because, you know, we've, and again, in, in these conversations we're having with women, we spent some time interviewing ladies um, in the last three years and getting their feedback and saying, okay, let's get at what is it, what resonates with you when it comes to fly fishing? So how can we leverage that and share that with folks? And are there any barriers, you know, and everybody has has voiced different ones, which is kind of cool. So we've learned a lot. You know, there's things like personal safety that come up. Um, you know, I'm worried about fishing on my own. Um, you know, if I'm hiking into the woods by myself, whether it's bears or waiting, I want somebody to fish with, or, you know, can you give me some solutions for that? Um, we talked a little bit about the intimidation factor. Like, are there ways that we can help to break that down? Um, are they more intimidated in the shops or on the water? Just um, out of curiosity. I, uh, a little bit of both. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely am leery out there in the bush. Like that's a real, real concern. Yeah. When I used to guide, people would be like, oh, I'll follow you. And it was like, no, 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 I will follow you. (laughs) Yeah, you can go first. You can go first. I'll be behind you. But I was curious if the fly shop was still something really intimidating. I think it it is. I think it is. um, 
it has improved greatly, I would argue, from when I first started. And really, it comes down for me to really good customer service. Like if you get really good customer service, regardless of who you are, when you walk into the shop, it doesn't matter. But I don't know if part of it is um, as women, when we walk in, we don't get customer service. If that's the first thing in the back of our mind is, well, it must be because I'm female. I don't know if that's just the undercurrent right now, if that's what it is. But it is a reality. It still happens. But um, and actually, I think Hillary is the one who said what's really cool and powerful is the consumer like you choose where you spend your money you choose which shops you patrons which ones you go into Um, and you can help to steer that so the ones that are really good you can steer your friends towards them and say okay I I have really awesome experiences in here you should go here and you know as a result we can help to shape that and also just being really honest when you have a negative experience and sharing that with somebody and being like, you know, this wasn't awesome. There, you had an opportunity to to provide, you know, a really good experience when I walked in your door, and it didn't happen for me. Um, and we were talking to my friend last night, and she was sharing, actually, in Montana, she had a negative experience, and it totally it shocked her because normally in the past, and you know, it was a different person working in the shop than before, and normally she'd have you know a great experience when she walked in, and, and always felt like, okay, this is somewhere I can send my friends. What um, may I ask? What happened? <laughs> yeah, I think it's. I think she'll be okay if we share. But um, basically, um, she walked in and she was looking for guidance on where to do some walk wade for a couple of hours um, with a friend. And both of them are super badass anglers. Um, they've been doing it for a lot of years and would outfish many guys that I know. And you know, they were just looking for. You know, they were going to buy some flies and kind of get some local knowledge and just wanted to ask for. You know, can you give me some tips? We're just kind of passing through and we need somewhere quick. And the guy behind just the fair. counter, yeah, totally fair, right? I mean, you do that all the time. Um, so two guys walked in behind them and he actually physically put his hand up in her face and said, hold on, I need to go help those guys and walked away from them. And then they said, the guy said, oh, we're good right now. We don't need any help. So he comes back to them. They start again because they're trying to be really polite and like, okay, well, let's give him another try. And he does it again. (laughs) Hand hand in the face and walks away. And I don't, again, I don't know how much of it you know, we, we always like in the back of our mind is, is it because I'm female or is it because he know he thinks those guys are, you know, they got platinum cards in their pocket and they're going to be, you know, a rod sale as opposed to flies. And, well, you know. so, but some but, guys deliberately don't want to look and they've told me this, yeah. you know, it's like when I was single for so long, they were like, Oh, I didn't want to ask you out because I just assumed everyone else was, but because everybody else assumed that everyone else was asking me out, no one was asking me out. So I was just single. Yeah. You know what I mean? Which is fine by me. But a lot of these guys don't want to look as though they are one of those guys in the industry who's trying to get into her pants or trying to cater to her needs. So there is this little bit, and especially when you get like a socially awkward person, which there are so many of, especially men in this industry, that's a lot of reasons why they're fly fishing because maybe they are socially awkward and they don't want to look as though, oh, you know, she's going to think I'm trying to hit on her or whatever. So I'm going to deliberately go to the opposite end of the spectrum right, and be a complete super dick. super cool and be a dick. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which, I mean, I've experienced that my entire life. And then, yeah. and then there's the opposite. Like I went into a fly shop once and this guy was so nice to me. It was so helpful. And he was like, you know, Marabou is really good. Cause I, I, I had left my materials at home. <laughs> so sweet. He's like, yeah, you know, this Marabou is really good for leeches. And, um, in like pops, there's a fly called a popsicle. And, Thanks. and I went to pay and he saw my name on my credit card and he just went purple. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like there's, I, I just, I think that guys could end up 
really battling with themselves. Like, how do I handle the situation? Maybe he didn't want to look as if he was catering to them, or maybe he thought they had no money. But who knows? The point is there's no excuse for it. Like, that's the point. There's no excuse for it. That's the thing with me too. And maybe it might be like, well, there are two women. Where do I go tell them to wade? Like they can't hang. I don't know. (laughs) They can't handle it. But let's just use that as a PSA to all fly shop owners. Never, ever ever assume <laughs> anything about the people who walk through your front door, whether they're young, they're old, male or female, yes. like give them a chance, treat them all equally because they could be your customer for life. Those two women will never, ever recommend that shop in Montana to yes. anybody else. And you just lost it. Like, don't do that to yourself. And he could have been so nice to them and he wouldn't have looked like he was trying to get a date. He would have looked like a uh, this thing called a professional. And that's the thing. They came to him. He's the owner. He's the local guy. They came to him for help. Owner? Yeah. Or, you know, uh, ran the counter, what, you know, and, and they didn't, they, they were denied help, you know, and, and that's all that we're trying to do is, is help people out. I'm stealing, I'm stealing the mic again. (laughs) What's so funny is that the other customers, these other two guys, so one of them comes over to these two ladies and he helps them. He gives them pointers because, you know, he's from not too far away. And he's like, oh, I heard you guys are looking for some spots to fish. Here's some of my favorite spots. You know, here's some of the flies that I like to fish here. Like, he was great. He was fantastic. So they get some pointers from him. They walk out. And then that guy, he proceeds to come out of the store and say, I just want to apologize. Like, not the, not the guy that works in the shop. Oh. The customer comes out and apologizes for him because he was mortified at how they were treated. So they're really, I mean, they're they're awesome guys out there <laughs> and it's not really like we're not trying to generalize at all but sometimes you just you know a negative experience can really have an impact and women are really good at, at sharing things with their friends when they love something and when they hate it they'll they'll let their friends know as well so yeah. you have to be really careful about it because it can go kind of viral <laughs> um, very fast yeah it can be exponential so so that's the like that's all part of what you can find in your surveys what else does the 50 50 focus on besides just accumulating data yeah, so um, we're this year we're kind of we've got a focus group of shops, um, stores, and dealers that we're working with to kind of do a series of classes and events. I know you and I have talked a little bit about this, but basically um, we don't want to just have like a one-off class because you know you teach somebody for a couple of hours and they kind of know how to cast and tie a couple of knots and maybe what fly to put on, but then how do you get them to the next level? So our retail stores have we call it our one-on-one program, but it's a one-on-one, a two-on-one, a three-on-one. You get them out to guided fishing and you know kind of progress them on the journey. Or Orvis has had that forever, right? Forever, yeah. Yeah. Um, I was trying to find the date the other. I think it's been running for 10 years now. Um, And I honestly, I think that programs like that are why it's growing the way that it is um, because it's made it so much easier to kind of dip a toe in the water and figure out if it is something you want to do without making a huge investment. So it's been it's been great. So we've been working with them to kind of develop this program, a series of classes and events, and kind of learn this year and just figure out what's the right recipe and then how can we do it bigger in 2019 and then the other piece is just we've been working with other brands um, in the industry to trying to collaborate and share ideas and figure out how we can all collectively do this better you know we've spent time with Patagonia and Sims and Costa and Yeti and just talking through okay what are some of the things we can be doing and there's things as simple as our our imagery our our videos our storytelling sharing how-tos and tips from women um, and having a mixture and it not just feeling like you know all of our uh, we love Pete he's a great casting instructor but I would love to see some of our videos highlighting really kick-ass female anglers as well so just some of those things that we can just kind of make it like integral and just you know it's part of it. And we hear all the time, I want to, I want to see women like me. 
I want to be inspired by, which is the other piece. We want to celebrate and inspire women in fly fishing. And that's such an, it's such an easy thing for us to shift that and, and do more of that. So yeah, we've been challenging people to do that as much as possible. It's attainable to get into the sport. I think people looking from the outside in, whether they're new to fly fishing or the whole outdoor world, they look at fly fishing and it's just daunting. There's all, you know, where do they even start? So we're trying to show people that like, you can do this too. Look at all these different people and their journeys. They're all different. You know, you can dabble, you can fish at a local pond with, you know, your four-year-old son or daughter for a half hour. Or you could do a backcountry 11-day excursion in Alaska. You know, you, you choose, and, and we can show you how. Coming up, Christine, Jackie, and I finally discuss the infamous commercial. Again, thank you to Cell Helmet for making this episode possible. Gone are the days of setting your cell phone on airplane mode or turning off your GPS or satellite phone between uses in an attempt to conserve battery power. Headlamp accidentally flicked on in your backpack and now it's drained? No problem. If it's charged with a micro USB, you're ready to plug it in and get charged up. Cell Helmet's lightweight power banks easily slip into your pocket or backpack to give you that little bit of extra security, knowing you can still use your phone's apps, maps, flashlight and camera, and have the power to make a call at the end of the day. With a lifetime warranty, free shipping and 40% off, it's pretty hard not to go to cellhelmet.com and enter code ANCHORED at checkout. saying that like 40 years ago, he and Orvis were sitting down saying, how do we get more women into the sport? This has been deep in Orvis for a lot longer than I thought, right? a lot longer. Let's then fast forward to Steve. Yeah. Okay. So Steve says we need to get women into it. What, why, why, what drove, what what, happened? Mm -hmm. Well, it's so funny because, um, you know, it's such a like web. (laughs) So I, I used to work for Steve under rod and tackle and he and I, we would have conversations about this all the time. You know, we developed our women's silver sonic waders and we went through tons of time and energy to dial in our fit kind of along the same time Patagonia was redoing their lineup, um, which was great. Everybody was starting to really, okay, let's, let's revisit this again and really design gear that fits, has all the same features and benefits. Because Um, let's just make it clear to people listening, if does fit different and like women have a longer inseam than men do. And and this matters not for style. Everyone always thinks it's for style. No, it, it is function. I was yeah. guiding and you know, you're landing your client's fish. So you're bending down. I blew out my knee for a season and I spent a month and a half on the Dean limping. I couldn't bend my knee cause it was so swollen. I ended up atrophying uh, my quad because yeah. I was guiding in men's waders and I could not bend my knees in them. And if I went any bigger, not only was it just too much material, but it was also, it's a danger. You know, if I start taking on water in size 
whatever waiters, it's really dangerous. So I just want people to realize men, men and women definitely have a difference in waiters besides just what they look like. Yeah, we have, well, and even across women, we all have different body types. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's really hard to solve for all those different body types, but, and not that we've totally got everything perfect. We're all like, that's one of the things we're constantly learning. Like we're working on expanding our sizing and we, we get told all the time, you know what, if somebody could figure out how to nail, like if we were to add on like on the top end of our size range, cause nobody else offers it and they all have to buy men's waiters and they pit, you know, they're, they're, they fit poorly. But for me, it was always, I had tons of extra material in the booty and I would have to fold it over. And then you can't like, you get to the point where your toes are numb and like waiting, it's dangerous Mm -hmm. (laughs) to be rock, you know, hopping rocks and you can't actually feel what's going on. So it's like, I just want to, I just want to be able to fish and have my gear be in the background. You know, I just want to be able to enjoy my experience and not be uncomfortable or for it to feel like I'm in danger of something happening because I have too much material. So that kind of, that's, again, we've been, we've, been working on women's gear it feels like forever there is definitely we had women's waiters I don't know I'm when Lorianne Murphy was involved um and Lorianne's you know been um, a, a long partner time. With us for a long time you know it just that was happening in parallel but Steve um actually went fishing with Hillary that's really what spurred this right fall of 15 um and immediately came back and he was like I just had the greatest experience I, I spent a weekend fishing with Hillary Hutchison who's phenomenal of course we all love her but He's he's from a big family. He has sisters, but growing up, the boys went out and they did the outdoor things, right? They fished and they hunted, and all the girls did girl things, um, and they never had the opportunity to enjoy fishing. And he was like, "I it finally clicked for me what it would have been like if I had been able to do this with my sisters, and oh. how cool that could have been." And he was like, "So I want to figure out how to, we need to make this happen." And it finally, like for him, that was his aha moment. I mean, we've been for years like, "Okay," and he said, "Like, let us know when you're ready." Cause, <laughs> yeah. So this. You know, Hillary was the catalyst and for that, God, I love her. But yeah, he came back and he's like, all right, I want to do this. And then we're like, okay, where do we start? Because Uh, it's a big investment. I mean, of time and money, I would imagine when you guys looked at it, were you thinking, is there the market out there? Like, are we doing this as a passion project? Or if we put this much money and time into this, are we going to be able to get it back? Or was that even an issue? I think, well, it definitely, definitely passion project. Um, this is, um, I think we would argue we, this has been very much shoestring. Like we are just, yeah, but totally bootstraps from that. Like uh, we're doing it because we love it and we're passionate about it. Not because we we feel like there's this pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. (laughs) Um, I assumed it was a corporate meeting. You guys are all around a table and you're like, how are we going to make more money? Well, oh. the rest of the population, 50%. Let's get, let's so get funny. the women in the pot. Yeah. No, that's what no. you think, Orvis. You think corporation. That's what I think. It was not a corporation. Literally, I, I think. Us, us two and Steve in a room. Right. Steve grabbed us. He was like, do you have a second? We were like, yeah, like whatever you need. Oh my God, I just had this amazing experience and we have to talk about, it. I think now's the time. Like, let's figure, let's figure out how we're going to solve for bringing more women in the sport because I'm, I'm sold. Let's do it. Like, I want to figure out how to get, and what's crazy is, and I don't know if Hillary mentioned, but Steve, now his, um, one of his younger sisters has learned how to fly fish. She started to get in and she's now working for one of our stores oh. and is helping to teach other people how to fly fish. And it's totally come full circle in the last three years. And I'm like, how amazing is that? Even just like on a, you know, like that, yeah, that makes you feel really good. And in that way, like we've won already. Like I feel right. like yeah. just on this small scale, like there's been things like that where we've heard from people. We had a guy in the office. He was like, I could never get my daughters to fish with me. I had tried for years and she's been coming through the stuff that you guys are doing and got inspired. And she was like, dad, I find, 
I want to learn how to fish now. And we were like, well, heck yeah, God, that feels awesome. We're doing it because it feels good. Um, the other stuff, yeah, it, it maybe for Orvis, it'll be a bonus down the road. I mean, we are, I would say we're selling more women's gear, which is cool. It means that we're bringing more people in. Mm-hmm. Um, I think too, um, what people forget about is conservation too, is their cornerstone of our brand. It's, you know, Chrissy and I are, are always neck deep in Trout Unlimited stuff. And as we bring men or women into the sport. We're also educating them on the natural world and creating conservationists and building conservationists, which we know will be good for the whole, you know, overall. Absolutely. So you guys are trying to get everybody into this. Absolutely. And honestly, a lot of the things that we heard from women in terms of the barriers, we've talked to guys and they're like, well, yeah, that's real for me too. The other thing is, okay, a lot of women come into it and then they have families, right? And then other things take priority and they hit the pause button and then they come back to it later in life, you know, when the kids have left the nest. And we're like, well, you know what? Let's help solve for that. Let's figure out ways, like give them, you know, tap them into resources, um, you know, figure out like how, how can we make a community where people can share ideas and figure out how they can continue to get out with their kids? Yeah, it might look different. I don't know. You know, you might have to Maybe you're fishing less. Maybe you have to think about, you know, in the beginning, what kind of pack do I need? No, to get no, it or... looks different, all right. Yeah, I right? promise you, I've got <laughs> diapers stuffed in every single <laughs> every pocket of my bag. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know, Hillary actually put it into perspective best for me last night, and she said exactly that. She said, as a mom, you spend all of this time. You know, you're you're being you're a wife, you're working, you're a mom, you're all of these things, and you have a little tiny bit of time for yourself. Do that's a big investment. Like, what are you going to do with it? Is it worth the time to get into fly fishing? And 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 if I am going to get into it, do I have time or energy for it to be intimidating? Mm. Like, do I need it to just be accessible? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like in one breath, I think I just did a podcast recently where someone asked me about 50-50 and I was like, I'll be talking to the girls. (laughs) Um, I made reference to the commercial, which we'll talk about later. Yeah. But then in the same breath, I turned around and said, but do not confuse me. Sexism is real. It's a real thing out there. I have dealt with it on on way more levels than I even care to admit. It is Mm -hmm. disgusting. It's been horrible. They, I'm a, I'm a, an ambitious personality. So it just made me want to succeed more. Right, it just made me end. want to better yeah. myself, be better. But not all people are that personality. A lot of these women, they have other hobbies. Mm-hmm. They have families. They don't want to fight you on the river. Right. They don't want to deal with sexism. This is a big deal for them to get out. And if they are going to take an hour of their spare time, that the limited time they have, why would they want the drama? Right. 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 A couple of things on that too that you touched on is time. Time is one of the barriers. You know, whether um, they have kids or they don't, um, they, they're like, oh, yeah, that sounds like fun. I want to learn. Or, yeah, I took a class. I was really on my way. But I, I don't have the time. Well, you have to make the time. Just like anything else, you have to – you owe it to yourself to make the time to just get outside, you know, reconnect, take an hour, take a couple hours, take a day, take a weekend, you know, whether you bring your family or your girlfriends or you just go by yourself because you need some, some alone time. Um, we're really trying to encourage that and remind people like it's not going to happen on its own. You do need to take the time, but also on the the sexism level. Yeah, it, it exists everywhere, but I think women in fishing aren't, is not a new concept. You know, women have been involved in fly fishing since the dawn of the sport. Like, historically, Megan yeah. Boyd, even before then, Dark Ages, like, you name it. And, um, you know, pioneers like yourself, or uh, Rachel Finn, or Sarah Gardner. And we wreck. Uh, 
It uh, goes Lorianne so Murphy. far back. And even the first book on fly fishing is, yeah. was arguably written, yeah, yes. written by a woman. So like, yeah. it the, goes pretty, pretty yeah. far back. And we, we recognize that. And we also want to try and celebrate that as we move forward with the initiative. But also just reminding people that if we want gender parity on the water, we've got a long ways to go still. So, I mean, men have always, men are welcoming women into the sport. It's not like it's, it's part of the barrier list. You know, it's really just a lot of women we've seen, and I'm sure you've seen it walking trade show floors on the river. There's been an exponential growth of women in fly fishing over the last, what, five to seven years Mm -hmm. that we've seen. And there's more out there that they want to be a part of it, but they don't know how. And so that's why we're building these classes and programs and resources and making it more attainable um, and really showing them that like you can do this too, and and these things are here for you. And we're we're really listening and leaning in on if anybody we meet people in the field or they're interested in the sport and they're like, oh, I really wish you guys had this. We'll try and build it, and that's that's something that we've been working on as we move forward with the campaign. So we're listening too, and we know we're learning things as we go. You know, we can talk a little bit more about the anthem video because we really poked the bear there. <laughs> that's, um, that com- that's the commercial? Yeah. Can we talk about it? Sure. Um, I agreed with the caller. I agreed with the caller. And I don't know if he was a real, like, was that a real, I'm assuming it was a real caller. It was a real caller, but um, for, for his own interest, we re-recorded it. So. Yeah, legal advice. <laughs> uh, Legal said voice. don't use the actual voicemail, so we, we actually re-recorded. But um, <clears throat> real caller. And um, what shocked us more was um, at the time when we received that voicemail, um, it was kind of coming on the heels of um, we had the first outside magazine article, Mm -hmm. which we don't thank you outside. And we don't I don't think people I'm sure realize we don't pick headlines. We don't pick what they choose to put into articles or any of that. You don't have any say on that. Right. You, you, you and, and they won't even let you outside. I'm so sorry to yeah, cut you off. No. Outside had, I just had a big argument, not an argument, but like I had to seriously put my foot down on a reporter because she wanted to do an article for outside. And I said, well, look, I want to see, I've had media misprint me and misquote me so many times. Yeah. Even New York times misquoted me recently. Said so April Loki says that um, woman out there, cupcakes and waiters. I never said that. He pulled a quote from a 60 Minutes piece where the reporter told me I have been referred to as a cupcake and waiters. If the New York Times can't get their stuff right, mm. I expect that maybe this woman couldn't either. So I said, I want to see my quotes before they go. She says, Outside Magazine has a contract. I am not allowed to let you see the article. And I said, well, I don't want to see your article. I want to see my quotes. And she said, no, I'm sorry. So anyway, go ahead. Right. What you were so saying, Chrissy. Just to, I, so the only thing I can imagine when we heard this, we were like, wow, where, where did this come from? Because all the conversations that we've had with folks, I mean, it's kind of like this, right? Usually when, when we leave the room, we feel like, okay, yeah, like we're on the same page. We all agree that, you know, might not agree on everything, but yeah, it's not 50% yet. Yes. There's opportunities for, for us to, you know, open the door and welcome women in. We don't need to, you know, pull them in kicking and screaming, but like, let's just, you know, what are some of the ways we can just be like, Hey, we're here for you. And we got that call and, um, admittedly, I mean, we were kind of fired up about it. We were like, God, where did this come from? And that's the only thing I can think of is that maybe like in reading that, and maybe he didn't even read the full article. I'm not sure, but, but I think what it was about his call was he said, you're creating a battle of the sexes. I definitely agreed with him, but I didn't know enough about the campaign to see that it wasn't you guys creating a battle. All I saw was, this is all it is. I'm looking at your shirt right now. Yeah. There's a 50, there's a line. Yep. And there's a 50. Yep. That line 
is a separation for mm-hmm. me. And when I see that separation, I could see I could be perceived as a battle of the sexes. Yep. And I was curious to see if you can see how some people might see it as a battle of the sexes. Yeah, and obviously, I mean, as you you know, the logo um, that we're wearing on our t-shirts, um, there was a lot of debate. Um, we went back and forth with everything. We're like, okay, where's the line? What are we trying to get across? Logos are tough. You have a very small space to get something very <laughs> across very succinctly. Um, and then... And we were like, okay, well, really what we are trying to achieve is the percentage of 50%. Equals equality for the record. Like yeah, if you really exa- break down the right. words, it's equality. It's, it's like equality. saying I'm a, fe- I'm a feminist and people are like, oh my gosh, she's a feminist. That doesn't, no. you guys know that just means I believe in like women having equal rights. It was from a good place. <laughs> that, that's our goal is we're just trying to, and again, the women is just a piece of the diversity thing. Um, we're, we're in general just trying to bring, you know, it's next on our list is how can we bring more families in? How do we get more kids into the sport? Diversity. Um, you know, how can we all stop highlighting the same body type that everybody in imagery, right? They're, they're young, they're super active. And then everybody looks at that and they're like, well, I don't fit that archetype. So then this isn't for me. So, we were just, okay, if we're going to flip this on its head, that's, you know, we, we were like, okay, this gets it across pretty clearly, yes. But the idea was that the conversation goes with this. It's just not, it's not just the logo, right? And that's why I say anytime we have a conversation with folks and we can kind of talk through what we're trying to achieve, they're like, yeah, I get it. That totally makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Who wouldn't want more women on the water? Why do you think it's perceived as a battle of the sexes? Or in that case, it was... I think, I think, you know, with our round one imagery, we made a conscious decision to pick five images to use for the, for the initiative. And, um, they were all women because we wanted to come out of the gate, kind of beating people over the head with this is women focused, you know, because we have so far to go to bring 50% of women into fly fishing, into the sport. We have a, we have a lot of work to do. And so I think, you know, there, one of the pictures was Chrissy and me high-fiving. I think we've seen enough of that over the last year (laughs) in publications and then when you when you see a headline beside it that reads you know we're taking on the boys club a headline that we didn't write uh, I could see how that could be you know misconstrued was that what was in the article we're taking on the boys There's club something to that to that effect yeah and and that's not oh, ouch ouch and you know but every you know we always appreciate um, any exposure that we get to spread the to spread the word of the campaign mm-hmm. and to educate people and we always use it as a learning tool moving forward. For sure. You know, we yeah. know that we're going to make mistakes. Other questions were like, you know, why did you give this guy a voice? And the funny thing is that if they got to the end of the video, um, which half of the people I think did, um, you know, they would see that the big picture is that there are barriers, you know, of women coming into the sport. The attitude behind this one particular gentleman was part of the barrier. Yeah, it's a small percentage. We weren't trying to exploit anybody or anything, but just to make a point of like, look, look at all these women. They're, they're out there. They're doing it. They're just fishing. It's just fishing. We all love it, but like, come on, you know, at the end of the day, it is just fishing at the end of the day, but you know, we just want everybody to be, to be happy. And, and, and again, I think absolutely not a gender war. And to us, we again, see that we're educating anybody who comes in, you know, this helps promote families, young families on the water. We're building conservationists, you know, we're teaching them and they're going to help teach each other as we connect the networks together. So big companies like Orvis Sims Patagonia, we're holding hands. I think everything 
that is coming from this um, is a is a positive thing. So, did you guys read the comments on that video? Oh, there were a lot. Yeah, once we weeded through them, though, we did have we did have some takeaways. Is uh, <laughs> the takeaways is that men and women didn't understand what we meant by barriers. It was a quick, we had to introduce the, the initiative and the campaign somehow. And so we gave a brief, brief overview in less than two minutes. And that was our product. Um, but, you know, people were like, well, I don't understand. I've got daughters and we fish all the time. And other women were like, I've never had a problem. But there are so many women we've met along the way who are new, who've walked into the fly shop, had the experience or a similar experience that Chrissy was talking about earlier. Um, and then just they don't, you know, they don't even want to be a part of it anymore. It was just a terrible first impression and they're good. They're going to go find something else to do in the outdoor world. So, you know, we're really just now moving forward. We want to educate people on, you know, these are things that not every woman experiences, but a lot of them do. And Chrissy and I were talking earlier about, it also comes down to personalities. You know, um, I'm a little more outspoken. If people give me crap, I kind of tell them F you, you know, and I don't have a problem with that. I've always been one of the boys. I've never had that intimidation factor, but there are so many women out there who are exact opposites and we have to recognize that and that, you know, everybody's different. So we're human, right? So we launched this thing and I don't know if anybody, like it's so gut-wrenching to launch something like this and it's kind of our baby. Like we've been nurturing this thing for three years now. And so we went, when we hit the button and we pushed that sucker live, because we, like you said, we knew we were, we were, we knew we were poking the bear. We knew that it could totally go sideways. You know, the other piece of that, as much as we've learned a ton and um, if we had to do again, I think we would do some things differently for sure. But the other piece of it is if we had just done a nice video with some women fishing and not tried to find that edge at all, I think it would have died pretty quickly. What's uh, the able, what's happening with able, the woman's able thing women? right now? I couldn't tell you. Exactly. <laughs> so the, that's all I'm going to say about that. Now on that note, yeah. people are saying, you know, I'm not buying Orvis anymore in the comments. Yeah. Have you noticed a decline in sales? Uh, no, we have not. Um, I think, um, so the, the, the voicemail, the, the gentleman who, who left the voicemail for us, he did actually return his stuff. He went into a retail store because um, um, the store let us know because he, he made it very clear that he was the one that left the voicemail. I'm sure he's very proud of himself. He, he was. Um, but <clears throat> honestly, what's kind of cool with Orvis is I feel like, um, especially over the last few years, we've gotten to the point where we're okay figuring out like what we stand for and especially in conservation space, right? Like we know when we put things out, for example, now our Neverglades in Florida, as an example, that there are always going to be people on the other side. When mm-hmm. you stand for something, Thing, that usually means that there's going to be somebody who is might be a, a, you know opposite your views, and we're okay with that. Same thing with um, Pebble Mine. You know, mm-hmm. if we're standing against Pebble Mine. We are starting to draw some lines in the sand as a company. Fifty-fifty, I would lump into that. So we feel like we want the kind of customers that want to bring other people into the sport. We're okay focusing on that and shifting our energy that way. And does that mean we will potentially lose some folks? Perhaps. Um, but you're going to replace them with like-minded exactly. people, which builds a community. And, and that's really what it sounds like you're after. Yep. I think your timing was really interesting. Before social media, a lot of this was you'd go and you'd speak at clubs. Mm. And you'd go and, and you'd write for magazines and stuff. And I think magazines were actively seeking out females to try to switch it up. You know, mm. just also it sells. I know that a woman on the cover once upon a time definitely sold more magazines. And then clubs would have women come in to speak, mostly out of curiosity. I mean, that's what they would tell me. They were curious. Mm. Then social media hits. 
And social media starts a whole new world. Their merit is based on how many followers they have, how many likes do they have. And now what you're seeing is you're seeing an influx of women and you're seeing that they've got their discount codes and their profiles and all these companies are trying to get in where they can. And now you've got women, you know, again, right, wrong or otherwise, maybe they're using various other things to sell their profile because more views equals more sponsors. Like it's just age old business. It's not like it's any different. It's just a different platform than we're used to in business. And it was already so sensitive and on such a breaking point of women like me being like far out. If I see one more of these stupid, whatever that company 10% off discount code is, or one more cleavage shot to get more, what, you know, likes or whatever. If I see any more of this, I'm actually going to throw up. Mm. And then the guys being like, I have been fishing for 20 years. I've never been given a free rod. She's got 20 free rods. We were all at a breaking point. And then you guys hit. <laughs> and it was just like, I really and think it was stirred gutsy. stirred the honeypot. You did. Yeah. You did. But I, I, I literally don't know if the strain and the tension could have been any thicker than when you guys hit. Well, was that on purpose? Um, no. No. I think everything, I think, I think what we finally all agreed on, we were, I was talking to Steve about it the other day, everything just finally came together. We got to this point where, you know, in terms of the product, the FF 101 classes, our network we've been building, everything just kind of came to a head um, and kind of gelled together and we got enough momentum where it's like, okay, with all these pieces and parts, now we can actually be successful with this and it's, it's the right time. It just happened to be um, at the same time as, you know, the social media thing, things like um, our election and Me Too, Me Too and Women's March. So there are Every single superhero a- on television right now is a woman in a cape. <laughs> which I personally love. It makes me want to go to the gym. But you know what I mean? All of a sudden there's no Superman. And, and actually my doctor said, she said it's actually a real problem because what's happening now is women are so empowered, which is obviously hallelujah, but a lot of boys and younger men are feeling less empowered and they're having confidence issues. Mm. So, I mean, you're never going to win the battle, right? Yeah. But that, that, I found that very interesting. Yeah. And I didn't, I cut you off, but you were going somewhere with that. I'm sorry. No, just something I want to touch on is, you know, yeah, we had no idea. And what also we find interesting is, you know, with REI's Force of Nature campaign and just a general push for diversity in the outdoors, we didn't really know that all of these things would align in 2018. <laughs> and it's kind of wild. Yeah. The, the plan, planetary alignment's really spot on this year. But, um, you know, as we do things like launch that anthem video in April, we kind of knew that it's, but too bad because we're not apologizing for doing this because it's been so long in the making. And like to Chrissy's point, all of our programs are aligning. You know, we have things like the travel department for a, a women's only paradise on the fly trip. And we have retail stores that offer FF 101s and now they're offering women's only FF 101s and things like that. So it was just the timing for us was right. And we knew that we might take, you know, some hits from people. Um, but, you know, we, we were ready. We were, we were and, and it was so great to have to to kind of roll this out to our company from everybody from our UK office to our service center in Roanoke, Virginia, and our corporate office in Vermont. We everybody was behind us because they knew that this was an honest initiative and it was the right thing to do. And it was so great. And um, you know, for Chrissy and I and the whole team to go in, Steve and the team to go into this, knowing that like we are doing the right thing despite all of the comments that we're getting back. <laughs> 
on, you know, things like the YouTube video and, and, and things like that. So we think it's been pretty positive. And we are hearing that about guys and, and boys, uh, you know, starting to feel the lack of confidence and feeling kind of like the world is against them. And we're also taking that into consideration in the fact that we're reminding people that this is 50-50 on the water. And so when we built our round two imagery this uh, this upcoming season, we're featuring young families and couples. And we want to grow on that. And we want to tell those stories. We want to highlight women, but also show the big picture. Pete and I, for example, or Chrissy and Ty... Chrissy and Tyler. And, you know, there are so many couples out there and families and groups of friends that they go out and they do this all the time and they don't think anything of it. It's not even a thing. So we want to definitely, if we're taking confidence away from people, we want to do our best to reinstill that as we move forward. That's really important to us, especially with young families. (laughs) So, you know, I'm sure your life has changed a little bit um, with a new daughter and I'm going to be taking notes from you (laughs) and some other (laughs) on that and and how that changes the face of your day-to-day, you know, adventures and, and fly fishing. So. You just laugh a lot more. Just get ready for some serious wrinkles because it is so <laughs> much fun. But you know, you really hit the nail on the head there. Honest initiative. And like, that's what it was for me. I needed to know beyond business that this was an honest initiative. We struggle because we hear, oh, Orvis Corporation, right? They're like this big, which is funny because you need, and like in the scheme of things, Orvis is pretty tiny when you think about things like giants like REI. Or, um, but we're, God, we are so human. Like we are just we're this family and we like keep pulling people into our family, like Hillary and Whitney and Lise and Jen and all these ladies that we've, that we've met. And what's, I was just thinking the, the piece I wanted to add with social media. Yeah. There's that bad that's been going on. It's social media. You, you have to take the bad with the good, but the good has been, it has brought all these people together. You have so many opportunities to learn from all these folks that, you know, and, and reach out. I'm last year I was a, total groupie and I walked up to you guys and I was like oh my god I've wanted to meet you in person for so many years and I follow you on social media and I read all your articles and um yeah and I I, like was sweating bullets as I walked up because this but like uh you know and we hear that all the time like women have reached out and they find people in their area and they've kind of create these communities and so folks we like we love that they're keeping us honest and being like hey you guys could do this better awesome would you be willing to help us make that happen. Um, and I think that part, the, the poking the bear part, I think it's been really good from that perspective yeah. because we've been able to have engaging conversations with all these folks that have left comments on the video or have sent us letters or what have you. Um, and it's kind of spurred a, a, this great brainstorming on how we can continue to make this better. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it would be that way if we had just gone in soft with a, with a nice video. <laughs> so I don't know if we'd be sitting here right now. I don't know if I'd be as interested as I am. <laughs> um, so I know you guys have another meeting, so I'm going to wrap this up. But okay. it, just on that note, is there anything, like, what do you want to see us do? Right now, if they're on social media, we'd love for them to share their adventures using our hashtag. Um, it's 5050 on the water. And also, um, you, you know, they can check our website, orvis.com slash 5050 for resources. And we're going to be building those resources out and sharing those stories. Are, is there 5050 content on there? Like, is it just women stuff? Um, Resources? Sorry, great question. Right now we have um, four women highlighted in profiles. We're looking to expand on that um, and and do some couples. Um, 
obviously more diversity in the group of women. Right now we started with three of our kind of founders within 5050 that have been working with us the last three years. And then another woman that recently got roped in. <laughs> um, and so we have a very long list um, of profiles that we want to highlight, but then also kind of start to tell more stories with them. Um, like should you guys, if it's 5050, shouldn't you have the guys on there too? Yeah, absolutely. We agree. Um, and I think the couples angle helps. We like hearing both perspectives. So we're very much interested in um, the couples angle for sure and families. Um, we'd love to have families featured. So yeah, we have this growing list and unfortunately we haven't, like we just have, we just need to start cranking through some stuff. I mean, there's just two of you guys. Yeah. There, well, <laughs> we do have a committee and there, there are more, you know, teams back at the ranch, um, that help us out. But also for anybody who wants to be a part of it, take a woman fishing, yeah. whether she's a coworker or your sister or a friend, you know, and, and just spread the word, you know, talk about 50, 50. I think the more that people are aware that this exists, I think the greater it's, it's going to get as we move forward too. And that concludes this episode of Anchored. Tune in next week as I sit down with Andy Mill. Thanks for listening. Thank you.